Symphony of Shadows, Second Movement, Yome Distel, to Infinity, Phrase 3. Jazz held Tane's wrist in a vice grip and dragged him towards the galley, where Knox was speaking with the crew. They entered the space moments later to the backs of close to a hundred men and women in a foul, boisterous mood. Jazz stepped forward with Tane in tow and immediately regretted her decision. Quiet! Wyatt eventually roared, which silenced the room slightly. We will discuss this like civil folk, one at a time. A woman Jazz thought was named Aruda stepped forward. I don't mean to sound like a bitch, but what the fuck, Cap? You've made an enemy of Providence and you're telling us you've got no idea where we are? Aruda snickered. And without consulting us... Jazz, a familiar voice whispered behind her. A hand gently clasped her shoulder and she turned, still holding on to Tane. Switch wore an anxious expression. His eyes crinkled and his stature was rigid. What do you think you're doing? Fixing this. Not sure that's such a great idea, he responded. The crew's rightfully angry. Knox just finished explaining the situation, and it seems they have some questions about you in particular. The crowd's frustration was gaining momentum again, less than pleased with whatever answer was provided. Shit. Well, what do you suggest? I'm not going to hide. Not when I can get us out of this. You can? asked Switch. Jazz shrugged. Not like anyone else has an idea. Haven't you been brash enough, Jasmine? Perhaps it's best to let things settle some. There's no time for that. The pirates won't be far behind, and if we don't do something soon, we'll be overwhelmed. We need to be brash if we're going to survive. Don't worry. Jazz patted Switch on the side of his face. I've got this. She didn't feel half so confident as she sounded. Jazz pushed Tane in front of her, and pressed her way through the crowded galley to a lot of cussing and sidelong glances. Jazz wasn't going to hide. She couldn't show any bit of weakness in front of this group. They'd eat her alive. The room grew deadly silent as she approached Knox, Wyatt, and Gerta at the front of the crowd. What are you doing? whispered Knox. Saving us, Jazz whispered back and grabbed Tane by his robotic hand. I can save us all, she shouted to the room. By the sounds of it, Aruda stepped forward, it's you that got us into this mess. Not entirely untrue, but let me tell you, there's riches to be had, beyond anything you can imagine. What can we do with riches when we're stuck in the middle of nowhere and with the worst of the pirate council sure to be on our tails? A man Jazz had never met before chided. The rest of the crowd roared in agreement. We have the means to fix everything winched to the Firefox below. Or did Knox not share the good news yet? The crowd murmured in confusion. Jazz lifted Tane's robotic hand again. This man here was captured by Captain Cybele on Captain Sernois' orders and tortured for information. It's that information that got us into the situation. Who is he? asked Aruda. A hacker who was working for the rebels. They discovered information on a material sought by the Republic during the Succession War, which they found and then was destroyed by none other than Avery himself. Many in the room shifted. Some snickered in disbelief, but the majority had silenced. The name Avery always had a way of capturing everyone's attention. 
Even Knox shifted uncomfortably besides Jazz. It's that material that brought us here, and that will bring us back to the Constellation Sector, if you listen. Well, Aruda raised a hand, on with it. It's true, whimpered Tane. I discovered information that led us to a crystal with a unique ability. It can transport matter anywhere in the universe where there was another crystal of the same type. One such crystal came into my possession, along with a drive explaining its contents. Jazz has been on a mission to rescue me, paid for by the rebels. She has also been tasked with retrieving the drive and the crystal. She failed and so enlisted the help of Knox and you all for a share of the prize. Jazz thought Tane delivered the lie well enough. His nervous chattering even added some believability. Jazz looked over to Knox, sure he understood the lie, and hoping he would go along. Bullshit, shouted Aruda. No such thing as teleportation. Who the fuck is this, anyway? Knox stepped forward now. Wit, it is true. And there is something else. Something. Knox breathed deeply, resolving himself. I've been keeping something from you all, ever since you joined me. If some of the crew were whispering a moment before, all sound had halted. An echoing silence filled the room. As many of you know, Avery was my father, or close as I've ever had. It was he who left me the ship when he died, but that wasn't all he left. Many of you for years have questioned my decision not to join the Pirate Council and my constant rebuffing of Captain Sornois. I hid my reasons behind thin lies, but now, considering our situation, you all have a right to know. Avery's death is no mystery. He was betrayed and murdered by Captain Sornois. Knox paused, letting the tension build in the room. These were amongst the last words written by Avery, my father, and he tasked me with a mission of vengeance. So why not just kill him? You've had ample opportunity, asked someone. Because killing him would only have served to be the death of you all as well, and the power structure of Providence has been tenuous ever since Avery's death. If I were to kill him, it would have launched us into another civil war, one the Republic would easily have exploited to destroy us and return Providence into their possession. I needed to wait for the right moment, and this seemed like it. Wait, asked Aruda. Sornois dead? Yes. Red killed him and stole the data drive, Jazz mentioned. If that's the case, why did we run? With Sornois gone, we have no enemies on Providence, I reckon. There is more added Knox. Before the mess in the stacks, Providence was approached by a Captain Woods from the Divine Republic. He offered a pardon from the Pontifex to all pirates for past transgressions and crimes in exchange for obedience to them. This is absurd, shouted Aruda, and the crowd agreed. You can't expect us to believe all this. Then how do you explain that we're in the middle of uncharted space and we have a huge-ass crystal attached to the hull? Jazz asked rhetorically. I'm not going to waste time sitting down with forks and spoons trying to explain it in terms you'll understand. This is happening, Aruda. All of you, whether you like it or not. Now we can either all stand here bickering about petty bullshit, or we can work together and get ourselves out of this situation, 
and richer besides. And what do you propose we do, Jazz? asked Goethe, arms crossed and smiling without a gram of mirth. The crystal is activated by a laser. We know because it was Cybele who accidentally shot the one we'd stolen, and now we're here. I'll admit that we have no idea how the thing actually works, but it was a laser that activated the crystal back in the Constellation Sector, and I am certain that it will work the same with the crystal we have below. So what? You suggest we shoot the damned thing and hope for the best? asked Goethe. Exactly, stated Jazz. The room erupted again in argument, and it took some doing by Wyatt to quiet them down. It was Goethe who stepped forward next. I got an idea, she smiled wolfishly at Jazz. You'll say it's a laser that activates the teleportation, but we don't know how it works. Well, why not reduce our risk and have someone shoot it with a pistol, much like Cybele did, instead of risking a more powerful shot from the ship's cannon? That sounds... prudent, said Jazz suspiciously. Goethe's grin grew even toothier. We will need a volunteer, then, to go outside and do the shooting. Oh, no, began Jazz, but Goethe had already grabbed her hand and raised it. And I think we have a willing one right here. Jazz grimaced at Goethe and gazed at the crowd who all looked a little too pleased by the trap Gerda had just closed on her. There would be no sneaking out of this, she knew. It was damn her. It would be my pleasure, Jazz ripped her hand away from Gerda. And once we make it back to the Constellation Sector with our prize, we'll all be rich. The crew erupted in what seemed like cheers, but one could never tell with a lot like this. With no time to waste, Jazz strapped into her slim spacesuit. How we looking, Wit? Vitals are normal. Air is at full and pressure is normal. All systems green. Great. Jazz thought, placing a hand on her belly. Now if only the cramps would stop. Jazz, said Knox, the only one who'd accompanied her to the airlock. You don't have to do this. It should be me out there as captain. No one would know. They know if you died and I was found on the ship. It's fine, Knox. I'll be fine. Knox looked at her, unconvinced. You've been lucky to survive this long. That luck will run out eventually. Jazz snorted. Me? Lucky? Jazz patted him on the shoulder. Thanks. I needed that laugh. Was that true back there, by the way? About Sornois betraying Avery? It's what I've long suspected. The two were best friends, brother to one another. Avery uh, drifted near the end, though. From me as much as Sonois, their relationship soured unexpectedly. Avery never told me why, and soon after my father deliberately avoided me. Then he started sending me away on pointless missions. I was one of the last to hear about his disappearance. There was something he told me when I saw him last. What? Jazz met Knox's eyes. They were pools of black, like staring out to the cosmos. Knox moved swiftly, gently pulling her into his embrace with one hand and guiding her mouth to his with the other. His lips were smooth and his warmth filled her. She breathed him in as they kissed. 
Something fierce and primal overcame Jazz, and she pressed Knox hard against the wall behind him and grabbed his face, pulling him closer to her. Her hands made their way around his chest and stomach, while his continued to hold her face and hips. He tried to push her away, regain control, but she kept him perfectly pinned to the wall. She felt indomitable. Jazz opened her eyes briefly and noticed movement in her periphery. She looked out a window to her left and saw Tani there, holding a gun in his hand. Jazz separated from Knox as if she'd just burned herself and spun on Tane. Jazz felt embarrassment spread like oil in her cramping gut, and then rage engulfed her. What the? Jazz began. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. Before he finished, he extended the gun towards Jazz. Yerta told me to give you this. She said it's not the same model as Cybele's, but it's similar enough. Switch thought it would be a good idea to get as close as we could to recreating what happened on Providence. The words spilled from Tane. Jazz snatched the pistol from Tane and she holstered it on her hip. Thanks. Yeah, Tane paused. No problem. He turned awkwardly, paused again, and turned back to Jazz and Knox. Be safe, Jazz. He left with slumped shoulders. He still has feelings for you, said Knox. Don't pity him. It's more than he deserves. Perhaps. I think you are too hard on him. He has not had an easy life and very few to love or care for him besides you and Switch. None of us have had easy lives, and we're not him. He's a liability, Knox. He's done nothing but make a mess of things and almost get us all killed. None of this would have happened if he hadn't stolen that drive from me. Knox gave her a look that said, And who was it that stole the drive in the first place? Point taken. But it's different. The only difference, Knox reached down and grabbed her ass, is that your bottom is a much nicer squeeze. Jazz laughed and pushed him away. Enough of that. I've got a crystal to shoot. Good luck. Knox kissed her on the cheek and left the airlock. Luck, he says, Jazz said to herself. Wit. We don't need luck, as long as we've got each other. Luck is merely a cloud of probability based upon the input of variables into the appropriate regression model. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. Jazz secured her helmet and engaged the airlock. Oxygen evacuated the room as the light turned off. She connected a carabiner to a loop on her hip, which had a line attached and another carabiner on the other end. Once the airlock opened to space, she attached the other end to a rail on the hull, which she could use to find her way with an eye shot of the crystal. The empty cold of space immediately calmed her nerves. There was a serenity in the silence with only her breath to accompany her. And wit, of course, she thought. What do you make of all this? She asked the AI. Not enough data to accurately interpret. Well, how can I get you more data? We must estimate distance and angle of shot to exactly that of Cybele's. We will measure the outcome and establish an improved algorithm for interpretation. Can you guide me? Jazz asked. A blue path appeared on her HUD, guiding arrows showing her the way. She glided along the rails on the ship's hull towards the keel of the Firefox. Lights surrounded the ship, but toward the bottom they dimmed and the darkness was filled with a dull purple glow. The crystal chewed on the light from the Firefox, as if slowly digesting it. Jazz abruptly realized she was holding her breath. Breathe, she thought. Breathe.
The path led her straight to the crystal, where she would need to switch the line to another rail to better angle herself for the shot. The closeness of the thing filled her with a mix of awe and dread. The crystal she had lifted from Lieutenant Adabiga was small, and she'd never really looked at it up close before. The only word she could use to describe it was... alien. It seemed apart from the known universe somehow. As Jazz came close to it, she could better see the texture of the object. There was a kind of growth to it. It was not smooth like a boulder as she expected. Near the edges, a matrix of interlocking crystals emerged, some half-formed. Jazz's hand involuntarily moved to touch the latticed structure. Her spacesuit limited her dexterity, so she accidentally applied too much pressure to the fragile structure. Like a twig snapped from a tree, she now held a piece of the crystal in her hand. Jazz pulled the crystal close to her mask and stared at it. After a moment, she placed it in a pouch and set her line to another rail that ran lengthwise across the keel. She pulled her way along the path until she reached the proper distance. She span so her feet could press against the hull and she could use the line to steady herself while she engaged the magnets in her boots. Her feet snapped tight to the keel. Once Jazz felt secure, she unholstered the pistol, targeted the crystal, and steadied the weapon by holding it with both hands. She closed an eye and said, Line me up. Wood obliged, and a graphic appeared to guide her shot on its preferred trajectory. Once Jazz had it right, she breathed. Here we go. And she squeezed the trigger. The laser zipped at its target and connected as Jazz blinked. When her eyes reopened, her mind strained at comprehension. Instead of returning to the Constellation Sector, she was assaulted with unfamiliar sensations, as if she'd been hosed with cold water out of a deep sleep. There was white, yellow, blue, green. Her body suddenly lurched against the keel and she was pressed against it. Her head strained upward where she expected to see the large crystal, but it was gone. She turned her head and was met with clouds, and below that, jagged green mountains crisscrossed by blue veins of water. Jazz's first thought was of Earth, but it couldn't be. Whatever it was, staring was going to get her killed. The Firefox was entering the atmosphere of some planet, and entering atmosphere meant friction on the part of the ship doing the entering. The part of the ship I'm on. There was a morbid humor in this, Jazz knew, so she laughed and shook her head. She needed to find the closest rail that could lead her back to the other side of the ship, to safety. It was maybe ten meters away, and the distance she'd been able to travel so easily moments ago seemed suddenly insurmountable. Jazz pulled with her arms and pressed with her legs, crawling towards the rail as the heat was beginning to gather behind her. Downward thrusters suddenly engaged, probably to slow the descent, giving Jazz a respite to run across the keel. A moment later, gravity continued its onslaught upon the firefox as the thrusters failed. Jazz jumped in that moment as force pulled her toward the hull. She'd made it, though, and tried not to rush herself in swishing over the line. She maneuvered herself around and pushed off the keel. Jazz tried to hold the rail in order to guide herself up the side of the ship, but force ripped her from it, and she was held only by the line as she was flung upward. Shit, shit, shit! Jazz shouted to herself, her hands unable to grip anything well in the pressurized spacesuit. Both hands desperately clamped on instinct, and she stopped spinning upward. Almost there, she thought, 
and in that moment she looked down at the planet they were plummeting towards. Distantly, she remembered the first priority of the Dawnbreaker's charter. Find New Gaia. Jazz muscled her way into the airlock and closed the door behind her. She wasn't out of danger yet. They were going to crash. There was no way around it. She hoped that eavesdropping helmsman knew his way around the Firefox, but if she couldn't find a place to buckle in, the impact would be like pitching a tomato against a wall. Before the airlock would open, though, it needed to repressurize, and that took time. Come on, come on, Jazz said, as if it would hurry the fully automated process. A light turned green, and Jazz sprinted towards safety. The Firefox began to shake, which meant they were passing through clouds, so their altitude couldn't be more than 6,000 meters. Jazz didn't know the math, but she knew time was running out. She got to the first room with harnesses, but they were full. Jazz cursed and growled as she moved to the next room. This one had a free harness in the back, and she jumped for it. Someone's hand grabbed Jazz's shirt and tossed her into the seat. Buckle up, growled Gerta of all people. Jazz cobbled together her restraints, and she started feeling gravity pool in the room. If we die, Gerta added, but was interrupted as the Firefox made contact with the planet, sending them all jolting against the restraints. Symphony of Shadows is a production of Synapse Radio. Written, produced, and performed by J.S. Rose. Follow us on Instagram at Synapse Radio and Twitter at Connect2Synapse. That's the number two. Or visit our website for all things awesome, synapse-radio.com. Synapse Radio.